0: Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In the previous program, I happened to touch on a number of things that I'm going to reference in this program, briefly, but to begin... This matter in Israel of these Islamist terrorist groups that are hellbent on destroying Israel, on slaughtering the Jews and the Christians, in particular Hezbollah in the north, Hamas in the south. Hezbollah. In Syria, and then on into Lebanon, and into the Golan Heights, where Israel has pushed them back, has rightly claimed Golan as theirs, which has been won with blood, great bloodshed of Israeli Jews. Hamas in the south, in Gaza or Gaza, if you prefer, as it is routinely referred to. But with regard to Hezbollah, their plans, their intents have been to establish a Golan terror network. And they have entrusted this responsibility. To Ali Musa Dakduk. He is a senior Hezbollah operative. Well, Dakduk, I think I'll call him Ali. It's a little easier for me, but fantastic person, you know, really stellar. Back in 2007, he was responsible for planning a terrorist raid of a United States of America military base in Iraq, in Karbala, Iraq. And there was a subsequent kidnapping and murder of five American soldiers. He was responsible for He was captured. He was put in prison for a time, a few years, Then, he was handed over, released into the custody of the Iraq government. (laughs) He was put on trial, and then he was released. Absolutely released. Not into anybody's custody. Released. And he was returned... to Iran, and to Hezbollah headquarters. And they sent him, they assigned him to his new duties at Hezbollah's headquarters in Lebanon against Israel, where he continued his terrorist activities, his terrorist operations. And under his illustrious leadership, they've committed terrorist attacks in any number of places. London, of particular note, but also Bulgaria, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and this group that he has, the Golan Terror Network. It is estimated to have more than 130,000 missiles aimed at Israel from Lebanon. More than 130,000. But all they want is peace. But of course, Israel is being terrible to insist on laying claim to the Golan Heights, (laughs) from which Hezbollah would be raining death and terror and destruction down upon Israel from, if it were permitted to, if Israel would just acquiesce to pressure from the world community from brilliant leaders like those in Norway. And we will get to Norway in a bit. But, as I mentioned previously, not long ago, very, very recently in fact, Hamas fired more than Six hundred and ninety, somewhere between 690 and 700, but more than 690, rockets into Israel from Gaza. This after having attempted to murder numerous Israeli soldiers by sniper fire under the cover of violent protesting along the border, but good people, these Hamas and Hezbollah, Islamist warriors, right? Meanwhile, in Argentina, Buenos Aires, there is political activity going on. Yes, there is a presidential candidate, Alejandro Biondini, They refer to him as being far right. (laughs) These terms are so wrong. But anyway, supposedly an uber-nationalist there in Argentina. But fascinatingly enough, fascists are always identified, described, defined as being far right even though they're socialists, even though it's a branch of socialism, and socialism is far left. And while the press, while the world press, while the powerhouse media here in the United States of America, the national news networks, insist on describing and defining fascists as being right-wing or far-right or ultra-right or whatever all else, they are leftist. They are just a different branch of socialism. There's communism, there's fascism, but it's all socialism. As was shown so clearly in the naming of the Nazi Party, the National Socialist Party. But anyway, this fellow, he is of that bent. And he describes himself, this is self-identification, he describes himself as being a defender of Palestinian state, Islamist Palestinian state which is fascinating. Many people would not think in terms of that connection, but it goes back to Hitler and the Nazi party, is they were absolutely joined at the hip with the Arab Islamists. Absolutely joined Confederate in seeking the annihilation of the Jews. And it continues to this day. It's just, it's fascinating to see the Islamists and these fascists bent on the same thing. But Islam is, in fact, another form of fascism. It is Islamofascism. But, he stated that he repudiates the colonialist, genocidal Zionism. And that when he becomes president, (laughs) that assumption, or presumption, that when he becomes president of Argentina, he will expel the British and the Israeli ambassadors. So, going back some time, I mean, this goes back a ways, this is in his history, is that he, in a nationally televised interview, he led chants among the audience of death to traitors, cowards, and Jews. Yes. Not only this Televised interview, but then at gatherings, at major movement, protests. But again, described as extreme right wing. Well, his political party was banned previously, back in 2009. It was called New Triumph. But now he has another party with a new name patriotic front. It has a a much warmer kind of a feel to it, doesn't it? And so, lo and behold, an outstanding federal Argentinian judge in Buenos Aires gave approval for him to have this new party. Just outstanding. But anyway, it's something you will probably be hearing and seeing more of, especially if he should happen to become president or should happen to be included in an Argentinian government, given any kind of wiggle room there whatsoever. But these are the times in which we live. Meanwhile, with regard to Israel and its existence this modern state of Israel. It has been miraculous. The modern history of the land and the state of Israel has been absolutely miraculous, which is incredible, given that the modern state of Israel is absolutely, utterly secular. All of its leaders have been secular humanists all the way to staunch communists. But, lo and behold, and describe themselves as being either agnostic or atheist. This is the kind of leadership it has. And yet, despite that, God has miraculously intervened on its behalf over and over and over and over and over again. Of course, they would deny that and say no it's the it's due to the great heroism and the brilliance of the Jewish Israeli people and of their technology and not to diminish or detract from the heroism of the Israeli people but that is not why Israel exists It is because God has plans for Israel, has chosen Israel, going back far back, millennia, millennia, millennia back in history, and God is intervening on its behalf in spite of its wayward ways, in spite of its sinful ways. And... Fascinatingly enough, back in 1948, I believe it was, when Harry Truman was president, during his presidency, he awarded the Medal of Honor, a Congressional Medal of Honor, to a man, a Jewish man, a Jewish American man, who worked for the OSS during the war as a spy in Europe and who was just extraordinary. And I will talk about him on another program. But he happened to be a professional baseball player, a catcher. There was a movie made that was released a year ago, and it was as is the case I find every single solitary time when there is a matter of historical import and significance that Hollywood feature film treatments are always anywhere from disappointing to horrendously disappointing. And so it was with this one. They just don't do a decent job of telling the stories. Perhaps you've seen the movie Seabiscuit. It is so grossly inferior to the documentary, which was greatly due to the book Seabiscuit, the bestseller by Laura Hillenbrand, but (laughs) a wonderful, wonderful documentary And the movie version was just pathetic. But, kidding, (laughs) I preferred the movie on Secretariat. But, back to this. You know about Steven Spielberg. Academy Award winning director. Outstanding work such as Schindler's List. And he's known for many, many others. But, he has... I believe, three sisters, and in any case, the youngest of his sisters, Nancy, is in the movie business, as I believe they all are, and a producer, and she produced a documentary entitled Above and Beyond. That's not the entire title, but that's what you can look it up by, Above and Beyond, and it is an amazing, amazing story. And she did a magnificent job. And the story of Above and Beyond is limited to the story of, or focused on, I should say, the story of volunteers chiefly from the United States of America, who came to the aid of Israel when it was in its absolute <laughs> earliest infancy. It was in gravest possible danger. It was on the verge of being invaded by All of the Arab neighbors. (laughs) What are neighbors for? (laughs) But for uh, committing violent murder and mayhem. But many of these volunteers, of this comparative handful of volunteers, were Jews. Many of them had, most of them, if not all of them, had World War II experience. But these that she focused on were aviators, were pilots. Interestingly enough, Israel did not have an air force. Israel Israel didn't have much of anything Britain had seen to that. Britain removed all military hardware from Israel, from Palestine, when it departed. And it left Israel helpless to defend itself from all of the millions of Islamists who were bent on annihilating the Jewish people of Israel. But a call went out for help. And I've mentioned before, I've commented before, again, about this terrible, dreadful, disgraceful inexcusably wicked chapter in British history. What I have mentioned but not focused on is the role that the United States of America played. The disgraceful, shameful, damnable role that the United States of America played. And what is so strange to me, so incredible, is that on the one hand, Harry Truman awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor to Mo Berg for his work with the OSS, and at the same point in time, did everything in his power to see to it that no help would be given to Israel by the United States of America. Just extraordinary. And these men who volunteered, they had to evade the FBI. They had to evade the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They had to (laughs) use circuitous, if you will, routes from United States of America to Panama, to Italy, to Czechoslovakia, where planes were obtained which were actually Measure Schmidt, German Nazi Measure Schmidt planes that they then flew to Israel. Now, these planes have been described as being actual Messerschmitts and also Messerschmitt knockoffs or replicas or whatever. So I don't know. I'm guessing it was a hodgepodge, a combination. But ironic that these pilots who had risked their lives to shoot down these Messerschmitt fighter planes, that then they ended up piloting them on behalf of Israel. But I just find it again remarkable in the most shocking possible way that the United States of America under Democrat, (laughs) Democrat, Democrat President Harry Truman should engage in an arms embargo. Of Israel, of helpless, defenseless, unarmed Israel, and the whole world, all of the Western nations, and the United States of America enforced, put in place, and enforced an arms embargo against Israel. It is as disgraceful as all of the other disgraceful, shameful chapters in World War II that there were, such as the United States of America under Democrat, 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 Franklin Delano Roosevelt, refusing to go to the aid of Britain until entering the war. After Pearl Harbor and so forth. But (laughs) for us, for this government to use the FBI, the State Department, to prevent American men from going to the aid of Israel, from risking their lives to try to save the people of Israel, is as shameful and disgraceful a chapter in this nation's history as there is. But, there were people, Jewish people, who conspired to save Israel. And they created an underground railway And they flew, they acquired and flew B-17 flying fortresses to Israel and took rifles, purchased, acquired rifles that were actually emblazoned with swastikas. I mean, just the irony is incredible. And the man who headed up this extraordinary, unbelievable underground railroad was Al Schwimmer. His actual first name being Adolf. But he went by Al. But, again, up against the United States Department of State and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Extraordinary beyond belief. In 1950, in honor, in reward for his services to Israel, he was stripped of his United States of America citizenship for violating the United States Neutrality Act. Oh, neutrality is just so wonderful, so commendable. Yes. So for his outstanding, brilliant, heroic actions on behalf of Israel, he was stripped of his American citizenship. But he went to Israel and he created a company that at his death was the largest company in Israel Israel Aerospace Industries. Just an extraordinary, outstanding American Jewish man, whom America disinherited, if you will. Use whatever term you prefer. But this nation, (laughs) this nation of the United States of America, it has had dark chapters in its history, but none, I submit, none darker than this. But apparently, there were something to the tune of 4,000 foreign volunteers. (laughs) 4,000. Outstanding. Meanwhile, of course, Israel was attacked by six million, (laughs) rounding off, you know, uh, who were heavily armed and trained. But just speaking of the volunteers, something to the tune of 4,000. But instead of obeying the law, because that U.S. Neutrality Act had the force of law, right? It was passed by our legislatures, I'm sure. It must have been, right? But here, these brave souls, they had to break the law in order to do what was right. In order to risk their lives to save the people of Israel. But again, the movie that tells the story is Nancy Spielberg's Above and Beyond. and her director Roberta hmm, Roberta Grossman but just extraordinary wonderful outstanding i spoke about the shark attack this terrible horrendous shark attack in hawaii and that the the officials were monitoring that shark They didn't bother to tell any of the people who were using the beach going into the water. They didn't bother to upset them by telling them they were monitoring a tiger shark there. And so this man, who with his wife went to Maui 14 years, he took a quick dip and he was savaged by this shark. But, again, officials with the Maui police and the Department of Land and Natural Resources, (laughs) they were monitoring the shark. You know, it reminds me of the matter of monitoring sexual predators, violent, vicious criminals who've been released from prison, monitoring them. But before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now. And whatever is right and true and good in this program is thanks to my Lord and God and His Holy Son, Jesus. Whatever's lacking, erring, deficient, that is due to me. But... I mentioned about this five-year-old girl, this precious five-year-old girl in Logan, Utah, Elizabeth Shelley, who went missing from her home that her mother shared with her boyfriend. And her mother had invited her 21-year-old brother to stay there, to come visit and stay there. And he had a criminal past. In fact, he was being sought by the police at that time. But lo and behold, the mother went to bed about uh, 2 a.m. Saturday morning. And when she awoke, she found that her darling little girl was missing, as was her brother. Yes. I mentioned previously that when the police found him 3 p.m. on Saturday that he was uncooperative and he was spinning tails and lying and lying and lying, contradicting himself all over the place, but they found him with a, an aluminum baseball bat, among other things. Well, in their search, before they found him, they found other things. They found a knife that matched the knives in the kitchen in a block, a butcher block, in the home of Elizabeth Lizzie Shelley and her mother. And it was broken, and it was bloody. And they found other such items, including items of her clothing. Well, what appeared to be her clothing, and again, bloody And so forth. And he was uncooperative. He would not help them. And I opined that in a case like this, in which one of two things is true, either the little girl has already died, has been kidnapped, raped, murdered, slaughtered, Either that or she's still alive, hanging on to life by a thread. In a case like that, how can you refrain from doing anything and everything you can to elicit information on her whereabouts from one who is patently guilty? We're not talking about trying him and going through all of that process. Years and years process. We're talking about that if this little girl is alive, that she has very little longer to live, in all likelihood. Oh, and the bat was bloodied and had a palm print, which turned out to be his. But anyway, of course they couldn't do that, because we are civilized people. We couldn't do something so uncivil. (laughs) as to extract, not a confession, but information enabling us to find the little girl and save her if she is still alive, or try to save her if she is still alive. No, that would just be wrong. That would just be wrong. Yes, but again, he was, while his... His sister invited him to stay there. He was wanted for violating probation on recent charges, numerous charges, and so on and so forth. But just a a fine young man, (laughs) 21-year-old uncle of this little girl. And fascinatingly enough, and he, he spun some tales there about, well, you know, he... Uh, When he drank, and when he drinks, he blacks out. And when he blacks out, he does criminal things. Fascinatingly enough, he took a knife from that home and aluminum baseball bat to use on a five-year-old girl. (laughs) Could there possibly be some premeditation, not only of rape, but of murder? Could there possibly be? Well... Surely not, but last I saw, her body had not yet been found, but she has been kidnapped, raped, and murdered. He has been charged, but interestingly, rape is not one of the charges, though clearly, unmistakably, that was part of the package, part of the motivation. Meanwhile, another precious little girl, this girl from Houston, Texas, beautiful girl of color, really darling, adorable girl, Malia Davis. She was apparently murdered by her mother's former fiancé. I say former fiancé, it's rather strange that her mother would have had her former fiancé babysitting the little girl. Doesn't that seem a little bit odd? I don't understand these women who are so carefree. Some would say careless. I don't want to be judgmental, so I will say carefree. It's the exact opposite of my mother. Exact, diametric opposite of my mother. But this mother of Elizabeth Lizzie Shelley, there having her wonderful 21-year-old brother come stay, (laughs) stay in immediate proximity to her little girl. And then this woman having her ex-fiancé, former fiancé, look after her little girl. I don't understand such behavior, but this little girl's body was discovered, was found. And uh, the ex fiance confessed to dumping her body in Arkansas. Meanwhile, our wonderful justice system rolls on. I mentioned in previous program or programs about this. Again, <laughs> there's a, a theme here. Five-year-old boy, a precious five-year-old boy who was targeted by a man of color who grabbed him from his mother at the Mall of America in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and threw him over the side, over the railing, down onto the stone floor 40 feet below, attempting to murder him. And this man, when he was caught, he blamed this on his anger over having been rejected By some women who were strangers who were probably not of his ethnicity, I'm guessing. But, (laughs) and this is a good looking guy, 24 years of age. Anyway, he has been sentenced to my amazement. It's like, I mean, this is lightning fast for him to have been sentenced already found guilty and sentenced to 19 years in prison, but it was fast-tracked, and he pled guilty in order to plead down the charges. So yes, he's been sentenced to 19 years, but this took place back on April 12th. Here we are, you know, barely into June, April to May to June. This is unheard of. This is less than two months, this process, less than two months. This just doesn't happen. Not in this United States of America. But lo and behold, so he's been in jail for a month and a half. And guess what? (laughs) The sentence is 19 years. But here's the kicker. With good behavior, You know, if he doesn't murder any children while he's in prison or attempt to with good behavior and time already served in jail, a month and a half, he will be eligible for parole in 12 years. Don't you love these sentences, huh? 19 years, he's been in jail for a month and a half a month and a half. But if he maintains good behavior, he's been a good boy. If he maintains good behavior, does not attempt to murder any children or murder any children while he's in prison, which I think is a fair bet because I don't think he's going to have access to any children. If he does that, He will be eligible for parole in 12 years. Raw, raw United States of America. He only attempted to murder this little boy. That's all. Nothing serious. He just attempted to slaughter this little boy. Okay, And the fact that the little boy survived is no thanks to him. The little boy Landon suffered severe head trauma and multiple broken bones, as in compound fractures, no doubt, and he has been fighting non-life-threatening complications from his injuries. You know, (laughs) fighting them, in other words, these non-life-threatening complications could lead to life-threatening complications. And they have required additional surgical procedures. But this fellow can be out in 12 years. Speaking of such wonderful justice systems, let's, let's go on over to Norway. Right, let's go to Norway, uh, which again, has been at the forefront of these efforts to cause Israel to make all manner of enormous, life-threatening, life-endangering concessions to the Islamists. Let's go to Norway, because they know how to do things. They know how things should be done. So this wonderful fellow... Anders Breivik, who they describe as (laughs) far-right. You know, he's a neo-Nazi. That's not far-right, that's far-left. But anyway, he, back in July 2011, July 22nd, he celebrated the 22nd of July in Norway by detonating a bomb outside of a government building that housed the prime minister's offices. It resulted in the deaths of eight people. I don't know how many were injured, wounded, and so forth, but eight died. And then, and this was very carefully planned, this was just a subterfuge, This was just to garner the attention, to galvanize the attention of the police, the security forces. He then hurried off 25 miles away to a youth camp on an island in a lake on Utoya Island. And this was not a typical youth camp. This was one that belonged to, that was <laughs> a, an offshoot, if you will, of the ruling Labour Party in Norway. This was their youth camp. And he dressed himself as a police officer and was armed to the hilt and arrived at the island and started slaughtering the people there. The majority of the nearly 800 people on the island were teenagers, including very young teenagers, 13 years of age, 14 years of age. He slaughtered 69. He wounded many more. He hunted them down. He described how he hunted them down. An absolute monstrous destroyer. And he admitted it. He boasted of it. So what do you imagine Norway would sentence this fellow to? Again, he succeeded in murdering Seventy-seven people. He attempted to murder many, many more than that. But only eight of those died from the terrorist bombing. Sixty-nine died from the terrorist firearms attack on this island that they could not escape from. It was an island out in the middle of this lake. He has been sentenced to the maximum penalty of 21 years. When I say he has been, he was sentenced back in 2012. Again, this attack was July 22nd, 2011. He was sentenced to 21 years. Now, they probably operate the same as us with regard to time already served, right? So we're talking about this was the sentence was delivered i'm not sure i'm thinking april but of 2012 seemingly so but he could be best case scenario for him not for norwegians but for him best case scenario he could be released in 10 years He could be released in 2022. Wait, that's wrong. 2024. But isn't that great? (laughs) You know, he only succeeded in murdering 77 people. He tried to murder many more. He gravely wounded and injured many more. But 77 died from the attack. Many others scarred for life. If not physically, then hundreds that are scarred emotionally for life. He could serve as little as 10 years. When I say serve, that's a term that is used and it is such a wrong term. (laughs) It's not like serving in the military here. He could spend as little as 10 years total imprisonment time. Undoubtedly, again, receiving time served for his jail time prior to being sentenced. But isn't that wonderful? Norway, they really know how to do things. You see, there is no death sentence in North. Norge. No. Norge does not recognize... Uh, the necessity for a death penalty or capital punishment. No, no matter how heinous the crime, no matter how many victims, no matter how large the body count, no matter how vicious the slaughter, no death penalty, no possibility of death penalty, as is the case in so many states here in the United States of America. But see, this is the difference between Europe, Northern Europe, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Southern Europe, UK, and the United States of America, and all those other Western nations, in South America, and what have you, and Israel, this is the difference, is that we are one step behind them. They are leading the way, and we are following along behind them, obligingly, all right, so just outstanding. He could be out again after 10 years. So no, that would be not 12 years, 10 years. That would be 2022. Yes. Could be out in 2022. Something to look forward to. Norway really knows how to do things. He lured some of his victims out of their hiding places by saying, help. had arrived Again, He was clothed as a police officer. He shot others who had jumped into the lake and were unable to swim away far enough. Just an absolute, heinous, monstrous murderer. But we should follow the lead of Norway. One thing I was a little bit astonished at but not really (laughs) was that it took more than an hour for the police to arrive after they received calls for help took them more than an hour because they were so occupied with the chaos from the carnage from the bomb blast more than an hour. And you might say, well, sure. 25 miles You know, maybe it does take that long to drive there and then to, you know, I don't know, take a boat out to the island, whatever. Have you heard of helicopters? (laughs) What about police helicopters? Norway is as advanced in these things as any place on Earth. And for, call it a civilian helicopter, if you will, for helicopters that are not military per se, but are police helicopters. Cruising speed, top cruising speed, varies between, depending on the helicopter, depending on the load, depending on this, that, and the other, varies between 130 and 160 miles per hour. Goes straight from police headquarters to the island, right? How long is that going to take? Should be able to do it in 15 minutes. 20 minutes tops. It took the police more than an hour. This was not a typical 911 call or whatever number they call in Norway. Okay? This was a matter of mass murder. But they did not do that. And so they allowed, the police allowed many, many, many more to be slaughtered. Vastly many more to be slaughtered. It reminds me of Columbine. But, anyway, but Norway in its wisdom, you may have seen this, they were seeking friends to play hockey and to play chess with him because they have rules in Norway. That's right. Norway's laws insist that prisoners cannot be kept in isolation for a long time, as that is considered to be unduly cruel. (laughs) And yet, he is feared to be too dangerous to mix with other prisoners. (laughs) It was feared that he might take other prisoners hostage in an attempt to escape if he was allowed near them, even though he's unarmed. But they want friends for him. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After All is Said and Done then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.